0: Welcome to Bestseller TV. I'm Taryn Winter-Brill. We're here with Eddie Turter Jr. He is the author of 140 Simple Messages to Guide Emerging Leaders. Great to have you with us.
1: Thank you, Taryn. It's great to be here.
0: So right off the bat, 140, that's a very specific number.
1: Very specific number. Why so? <laughs> so it is, of course, the old rules that Twitter had for the number of characters that you could have in a tweet. Mm. Of course, now it's 280. But the idea was, how can I communicate successfully with emerging leaders? And what I have discovered through working with hundreds of emerging leaders is that many will read a book, less might read a scholarly book, unless it's for school, of course. Right. But everyone will read a tweet. So the cliff notes of a scholarly resource on leadership is these 140 simple messages that I believe will guide emerging leaders on their path to success.
0: Right. And I, I should say the layout is terrific because it's literally 140. They look like tweets. There aren't chapters necessarily. They're just little messages
1: absolutely short
0: and sweet snack size as i like to say
1: absolutely and i activate the messages on twitter some of them are not the full 280 characters they're less but i show through the social graphics that i put behind it or the interviews with some of the people who i've quoted what the power of the message means and what some of my readers have told me is they keep it on their desk and they use each one for motivation for days where they need that little boost of... Oomph. Yes.
0: (laughs) I was curious, is there any special order to the 140? Like you mentioned, they kind of pick and choose. Is it better to go consecutively or mix and match as you see fit?
1: I did a exercise with a client uh, not long ago where they received the books in advance. And for 90 minutes, all we did is talk about the book and which particular message resonated with them. And we just went out of order. But if a reader were reading this, it's a short read. It's designed from early career to where you've matured more in your career. Reminders that you might need versus new things that you don't know.
0: Okay. So you kind of took the words out of my mouth because I'm curious when you say, or when you reference emerging leaders, who is that? How do you identify an emerging leader?
1: I find that that is... Uh, up for debate depending on who you're talking to. <laughs> okay. For some people, when you say emerging leaders, they automatically think, which I actually polled people as a part of my process for writing the book. I polled people and asked them what they thought an emerging leader is. Uh-huh. And they would say uh, millennials was the number one word out here, hear, or people between 20 and 30 years of age. Others would say that high performer in an organization, that is an emerging leader. But I've worked with leaders that, people I consider leaders who don't fit either of those two categories. I've worked with leaders at Rice University, for example, which is doing some phenomenal work around leader development. And they start with the freshman class, mm. 18 year olds. And so I believe through the work I'm seeing with these amazing young people that they are emerging leaders. But then I discovered something else. You have people who, who are parents who left the workforce, but they now want to re-enter the workforce. They had experience, they had successes before they left the workforce, but now they have to emerge as a leader in a new way. Sure. Then there are others who have, because of one reason or another, changed careers. Again, they had to emerge as a leader in a new way. And even those who have successfully made it to even the C ranks, the chief executive officers, they have to continue to emerge as leaders.
0: Okay, so these 140 simple messages, would you say, at either applicable to all of those capacities of leadership that you just mentioned?
1: Yes. I would say that the more senior a person is, they will know everything that I've wrote in that book, and many of the things will simply serve as reminders. But for those who are your historic uh, category of emerging leaders, they will find many new morsels that they have not thought about.
0: Yes. New morsels versus, I guess you may call it maintenance, yes. if you're a leader, <laughs> right? Because you want to keep... You know, maintaining those little messages to very well said. Maintain your leadership, but you do mention you pinpoint in the book, Eddie, that leadership begins in youth. What part of youth? I mean, how early, in your opinion, based on your research of the book, does leadership begin in terms of childhood and well development? I, I
1: guess I talk about my mom. My mom believed that readers become leaders, so she read to me every night, ah. and. My mom reading to me did something fundamental to my communication skills. It changed who I, uh, it formulated, I shouldn't say it changed. Yeah. My mom reading to me every night made me the communicator that I am today. And leaders who read are absolutely different. And so that's one of the reasons I use that quote.
0: What is the difference in your experience, leaders who read versus leaders who don't read? How, how does that show through differently, I guess, or manifest itself?
1: Leaders who read, who stay abreast of the most current knowledge in their field, mm-hmm. who stay abreast of what's happening in the world around them, will be different than leaders who are just going with their own inner leadings. Yeah. Right? Uh, we their own all, experience, I guess. Yes. We, we all feel that we are right and that our position on something is the best position that there is. However, we might be deluding ourselves. As a leader, if we rely on that, the most effective leaders continue to uh, emerge and grow through new learning, new insight. And so that's something that I promote very heavily in the book, growing and learning through the power of reading and the power of leading. C-Suite Radio. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help.
0: You emphasize that point a lot in the book. Um, I did want to talk about this idea known as, well, you're known as the leadership accelerator. What, What does that mean? People in your world, you're known as the leadership accelerator.
1: I tell people I work with leaders to accelerate their performance and drive impact. And I'm playing on the word for accelerator, excel, which of course means to take you to a higher level. But I'm also using the word accelerated.
0: Yes, I like that because I do it fast. Yeah, so there's a play on (laughs) a play on words there. And I mean, leadership acceleration. I guess. I mean, this has been. I guess you you might say that your whole life has been leading up to this title.
1: Yes. So I discovered that as I look back, that my early experiences working with executives, even when I was an information technology professional, really positioned me for the work that I do now with leaders at all levels. Because I went from being the IT professional who was coaching executives on how to use technology, to being someone who coaches executives in uh, their corporate space or working with emerging leaders as a leadership coach.
0: Right. And I did want to ask you about your undergraduate degree because you, you talk about how you got your undergraduate degree later in life and that had such a profound impact on you.
1: It did because I was 32 years old. I had worked for some of the best leaders. I worked at General Electric at the time I decided to get my degree. And General Electric was the hallmark at the time for what great leadership looked like. And so I saw the best leading the best. right? And also Crotonville at General Electric, especially the financial services division, was known to produce great leadership. And so when I went to Northwestern University, I now had a formal education that taught me things I did not know before about leadership. And for the first time, I began to really understand, I learned it at GE earlier, but the difference between leadership and influence and the true power that comes from influence.
0: Yes because they're not one and the same.
1: No, they're not one and the same. In fact, great leaders understand that you don't need a title to be a leader. And leaders who understand, if they really understood the power of influence, they would point to their leadership title a lot less.
0: You know, with the leadership skills you brought to the table at Northwestern, but you're also, you said learning, obviously new ones. I mean, I would imagine that that sort of synergy would make for a really unique degree, so to speak.
1: It did. I think the biggest thing that I learned is I didn't know what I didn't know. And so that helped me appreciate all this time that I thought I understood leadership. I had so much more to learn. So I was immersed in a study of leadership that I did not anticipate, but fundamentally changed who I was. And I it was a transformational experience for me. I later on went to Harvard University and studied the John F. Kennedy School of Government to study under uh, the world renowned professor, Dr. Ronald Heifetz is the father of adaptive leadership. And so now adaptive leadership is one of the latest tools I've added to my leadership toolkit that I use with clients. What's adaptive leadership? Adaptive leadership is a framework. In fact, one of the great things that Dr. Heifetz talks about is leaders. It is imperative that we, get a framework and use it. He says that you lead without a framework to your own peril Mm. because you're shooting from the gut, right? as we talked about earlier, as opposed to using a body of knowledge. And so the adaptive leadership framework is a framework for leading organizations through very complex change. We talk about the difference between leadership and authority, leadership and influence. And there's a lot of other things that he's baked into that, So much so that there's a global network, an adaptive leadership network that has taken off of Harvard-educated professionals who have gone through his program.
0: No kidding. Well, I would argue that this is sort of an adaptive guide to (laughs) to a framework to leadership. I did want to ask you of the 140 simple messages, Eddie, do you have a favorite? I know it's like asking who your favorite (laughs) child is, but if you had to pick one.
1: So the answer would be what my mom says. I love them all. They're all my favorite. Yeah, of course, of course. (laughs) If I had to pick one, I would probably pick the last one. Message number 140.
0: Uh Save the best for last. Okay, just That is, being an emerging leader does not mean you are not already a leader. You are a leader. You have potential for even greater leadership capacity. Keep developing, keep growing, keep emerging. Right, so an emerging leader is someone who keeps, like you said, Developing and going. There isn't sort of a, an apex that you reach. That I've made it. Exactly.
1: Know? And that's why the key word that I use there is uh, something that Dr. Hyper talks about a lot. Capacity. Yes. Leadership capacity it, It's ever growing. It's not something that we fully ever master. Right. Leadership is an art and a science that must be practiced. Yeah.
0: It's an evolution. Well, congratulations on the book. It is so user friendly. It's so easy to read, and so many useful messages, and I and I like enumeration. You know what you're getting the amount and you know quantity is a good thing. So thanks for being here. Congratulations again.
1: Thank you, Taryn.
0: If you'd like more information on the book, just check out our website, c c-sweetbookclub.com. I'm Taryn Winterbrill. Thanks for watching. We'll see you next time right here on Bestseller TV.
1: This podcast is a part of the C Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c sweetradio.com.